Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Hey, uh, want to give you an update on just how things are going as a church, kind of how we're moving forward on some things. Um, before we talk about that, on this campus, next week, our first ever baptism. Yes. And it is Gab. Where's Gavin? It's Gavin Howe. Gavin, where are you? Gavin's in. He's not going to raise it. Gavin, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Gavin's getting baptized back there. Proud Mama Laura Lee. Yes. Uh, so I thought the horse trough that we usually use. Yes, we baptize in a horse trough. You start off with humility if you're going to get baptized here. I thought that it got stolen with our trailer. And some of you were actually excited about that because you thought we would upgrade to a better baptismal. Uh-uh. The Lord blessed us. It was in storage. We have it. So we're going to fill up a, a horse trough for you, Gavin, because we love you so much. So next week, what animals eat out of, you get to get dunked in. No, it's clean. And so that's next week. So we're super stoked about that. We're going to celebrate as a church next week. And it should be cooler. So far, it looks like it's going to be cooler next week. So we can hang out for a um, hang out for a little bit. Hey, heads up. Pay attention on Facebook and stuff. We're going to do a kind of a, a fall hangout um, probably in a few weeks, maybe the week before Halloween where we're going to do, uh, it's kind of the bring your own everything like we did a few weeks ago. It's a bring your own everything for Halloween. If you want to, you know, play around pumpkins and carve and decorate, if you want to knit, if you want to do fall things, I don't know, whatever people do for fall things. Um, but we're thinking about just doing something, hanging out after church in a few weeks again and uh, doing stuff, kind of Halloween stuff. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But uh, that'll be on Facebook. Just a heads up on that. Some of you have been asking, when are we going inside? Right? We moved from purple to whatever the other color is, brown, gray. We're in a different color. And what that means is we can move uh, indoors. But here's the thing. A couple things. School said we can use the auditorium. We can't use children's ministry classes yet. So that's kind of where we're at there. Uh, but also, the only thing keeping us from moving inside is children's ministry needs to be staffed with people to volunteer. Because once we go inside, we can't have kids inside. It'll be too loud. Out here, they can run around. So it's not, it's not uh, practical for us. So here's the thing is uh, we are one of the top priorities, and Laura Lee's been working on this. And just so you know, please don't make it hard for her. Uh, make her job enjoyable here because we want to keep her here. And so uh, make it enjoyable. She's responsible for helping all the ministry leaders kind of get their volunteers. If you could get back to the emails, the phone calls. And uh, right now we're going to need people to kind of sacrifice some time. You're not going to be serving every week. Uh, but it might be a ministry that fits you perfectly. It might not, but right now we need to serve as far as just to get this church strengthened, consistent, and for us to move inside, children's ministry is the main ministry that needs to be stocked. So uh, you can talk to Nayeli or Celine. Celine's raising her hand right here. Very quickly, she raised her hands. So while I'm preaching, she'll be recruiting during the service. So if someone starts talking to you, it might be the Holy Spirit or it might be Celine whispering in your ear, children's ministry, all right? So... Uh, but that's kind of where we're at. So if we don't get enough signups, if we can't train everybody and get them ready, we're not going to move inside. Uh, we got, that's the main thing. So that's kind of what's happening, uh, there. Um, our big prayer, if you could be praying for us, uh, Justin's here. Justin's one of our elders and he's, uh, going to be starting off the service today, just kind of praying for us, praying for our time together. Uh, but him and Ken are working on getting a trailer for us. If you could be praying for us, we get the best deal, the best trailer, um possible we're trying to be as wise as we can with our money 
Uh, God's really blessed us. Just so you know, our savings has actually grown during this pandemic. And most of my pastor friends, that's the opposite. So I don't share anything with them about what's that. But um, because they're bummed. And you guys have been super generous. You've been super consistent. Moving over to Tidely has been great for us. This gives the opportunity to buy things without being like, ah, and really make sure each ministry is good to go. But pray for these guys. We still want to handle that really well. Uh, if we can get a great deal, it'd probably be anything around like five, six, seven thousand. We'd be blown away if they want to give it to us. Then we'll take it. It needs to be a good trailer, but probably we're looking at somewhere ten to fifteen thousand, just you know, practically. And so um, that's kind of where we're at. So be praying for us and praying for them uh, as they make decisions in the next week. I think that's it. That's kind of the main stuff going on. There's other things, but um, Justin, you want to come up and and kick us off? So. Uh yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just, just pray for this morning. But uh, just uh, one thing, just real quick, it's been on my heart. This transition over to coming here has been real difficult with the COVID stuff. Um, it is truly a relaunch of a, of a church. Just like when we left Crosspoint coming here, there's been so much stuff that we've had to pull together, downsizing the humility, where's God taken our church, who's still part of the church, right? So all the stuff that you're seeing now and the transition to get back in there is truly a labor of love. Um, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the commitment that you guys are making. And it really kind of shows that what, what a church is, that, that community. So a lot of um, stuff going on uh, behind the scenes. So really would appreciate your guys' prayer with direction from us as we make decisions and are moving forward with things. Um, but also just good communication within the church leadership as well. So uh thank you guys for being here it's uh gonna be a good sunday so all right let's go ahead and just pray jesus um lord we love you we thank you for the ability to come together and meet this morning uh, we just ask holy spirit that you just come right now and that you anoint pastor brian that you just fill our hearts prepare our minds which with your peace um just with questions and stuff as we sit and listen and be able to soak in the, the wisdom that is about to be spoken lord i pray that you just let this pertain to our lives. I pray that we ask the questions as we listen, how we can pertain this to our life and what areas can we grow and then go out there and be light to the world and, and go and spread the gospel and make disciples of other people. So I thank you for this time, Lori. Please bless it and bless Pastor Brian in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, and again, it's through your app, you can, there's um, a Bible you can um, use there or you can download it. Or if you have this thing called a Bible with you, old school. Yeah, there you go. You can open that up. We're in John. And uh, if you haven't been following us, we just, we have this series called um, Up Close and Personal with Jesus. The goal is to not gain information about God and become smarter. The goal is to really draw into a living being. Jesus is alive right now. And the Bible says that when he left, he was stoked to leave because his spirit now, he, did, he walked with the disciples. Now he wants to live in us and through us. This is our belief. So no matter where you're at with God or this is who we are. Like we believe that God uh, takes up residence in you. And I talked about that the last few weeks. So John chapter 1, remember, we're still in 1, by the way. We're going to get through this book in the next few years. But we're still in chapter 1. So stick with me because I hope that you're enjoying taking time to walk with Jesus. And John was his best friend, if not definitely in the inner circle, right? And he has his best friend pleading with people saying, listen, I know this guy. 
He's the real deal. And he wants us to know so that we can be saved, so that we can be secure, and so that we can tell others confidently. That's what this book is about. That's why we're going through this. Up close and personal. Really taking a close look at Jesus so you know who he is, which is what John does in the first chapter. He says, this is who Jesus is. And now John's going to transition. He says he's fully divine and he's fully human. We believe that. I'm not going to go into the details because last two weeks I've talked about why that's important for us. And so you can listen online or through your app about that. But today we're going to transition from, as John does, moving from who Jesus is to how does Jesus live. Let's look at as far as how would God live life? If he's just like you and I, how would God do life? Because I'm assuming if he's God, he's going to do it really well. Like there's going to be a lot of significance, a lot of meaning, um, a lot of impact. And he wants us to live the same way. And the beauty of Jesus coming is that not only did he come to die on the cross to save us from our sins, he paid the penalty for our rebellion. And every single one of us, I know you look around, you're like, but some people, they look so nice. They can't be rebellious. They've never sinned. They look, look how they're dressing and they're smiling and they worship and they cry and they clap on time. Like they have to be like perfect. But the Bible says every single one of here, person, if you look around, rebellious. It's just some of us are good at hiding it and some of us, we're not good at hiding it. That's the only difference. And it says, because of that rebellion, there has to be a penalty paid because God is a God of justice. He doesn't play favorites. He's not like, oh, I kind of like you today, so you don't have to pay the consequences, but you, I don't like you. He says, nope, I'm a, I'm a fair judge. I'm a fair judge. But he's also a loving judge. And so rather than us paying the consequences, he's like, I'm going to pay the consequences. So beat me, strip me, and take my life, not theirs. And so he paid the penalty, and that gives us the security to know that God loves us and that we're in relationship with him. He takes care of our rebellion in that way. But also he models of how not to live a rebellious life, a life of obedience, a life of peace, love, joy, kindness, all those things. He models that. And that's what we're going to kind of be moving into is John now is going to reveal how God works and how he interacts with people. How does God work and interact with people? John chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 35 says, the next day, John, and this is John the Baptist. So I know right now we're getting confused. You're like, but John wrote the book, John, and now he's talking about John. He's talking about John the Baptist. This is the cousin of Jesus. And this is a guy that, um, you know, if you read it, we skip some verses, but this guy was preaching out in the wilderness and people thought he was a, a great prophet. In fact, they thought he was a prophet Elijah. And uh, some people thought he might even be the Messiah. Because at this time, you got to remember in Israel's history, uh, they haven't heard from God in 400 years. And there's this kind of, in history right now, they're kind of the sense of we're going to be like, we're gonna, God's going to restore us back to how we were back in the time of David. And, and, and we're going to be a, a, a prosperous nation. And so just so you know, in this, in this time period, within the last 100 years, there had already been multiple men who said they were the Messiah. The problem was they died and they never rose again. So obviously they weren't the Messiah. So there's this bubbling of a Messiah is coming, a Messiah is coming. They thought maybe it was John the Baptist. That's who this is. But John the Baptist says, uh-uh. It's this guy over here. He's pointing to him. And so we pick up here where it says that the next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. So John had John the Baptist had these guys that were following him, learning from him. And uh, in verse 36, it says, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, which had to kind of be weird. Like you have your disciples and as soon as he said this, they did like, peace out, John. <laughs> and they went and followed Jesus. But that's what John wanted. It's a good mindset, 
John the Baptist had for all of us in ministry or churches where it doesn't matter who people follow, what person, what church they're at, as long as they're following Jesus. And we should be happy about that. That's the goal. We're all on the same team. And John the Baptist was playing his role. And so there's humility there. It's like, as long as you're following Jesus, I don't care if you're with me or with him, just follow Jesus. That's what we care about. And so he says, look, the Lamb of God, and they, they said they followed him. And so turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Dang, okay, nice to meet you too, son of God. <laughs> someone's, in a, someone's in a good mood today, right? <laughs> first thing Jesus asked, first thing when he interacts at a real personal level, right? His, his first, this is Jesus coming onto the stage of really representing God. And what's weird to think about, think about how would God enter in this world? You would think he would do it with a big bang, right? You think he would do it with a lot of like fireworks and like kicking down the door and being like, guys, here. Let's do this. Think about it. God came into this world, and for 30 years, no one heard of him. For 30 years, he had no position or power. For 30 years, he learned to listen to his mom, listen to his dad, go to church, learn about God the Father. Isn't that weird? God comes in, and he doesn't say much or do much. He waits on the timing of the Father, which is probably good for us. Because sometimes we want to kick down the doors of life. We want to go do things now. I want to go do ministry now, or I want to go do my career now, or I want to get married now, or I want kids now. And we want it in our timing. And look at Jesus like, uh, wait on the timing of the Father. Even Jesus had to bake in the oven a little bit to go from that dough to the bread kind of a thing. And God's going to bake us too. It's not going to be in our timing. And if Jesus needed 30 years to start ministry, sometimes we might need some years to be prepared for what God has for us little bit of a lesson that's not the main thing that was a freebie all right but that's just kind of when you observe isn't it kind of interesting to think about that though like god comes into the world in 30 years you don't even hear about him but just because and here's the other thing just because you don't hear from god doesn't mean that god's not moving and planning and prepping just because you don't hear doesn't mean things aren't happening just because people didn't understand that jesus was god didn't mean that god wasn't walking on this earth for 30 years, he was here. He built things, took care of his family. We believe that his dad passed away at some point, in that, which means he was the man of the home. He was the oldest. He was learning, and here's the thing, he was learning these things in 30 years that would prepare him for the next three years of ministry. Young people, what you're learning at home, why do I have to listen to my parents? What if they're wrong? What if they, yeah, they might be wrong. They might be right. What you're learning is, submission because when you leave that home god's going to want you to submit to him and if you're like i don't want to listen to anyone you're going to have a hard time listening to god later on in life your parents are a test yes they're imperfect but the better you do there the better you're going to be able to listen to god and follow god later on that's the goal some of you right now you're working a job and you don't like it i want to get out to a better job stop maybe god's using that to toughen you up to prepare you for some other ministry or to prepare you for some other relationship so God's prepping, baking, let him, let, him, let him do those things. Jesus did it. We're going to do it. But the first thing when he comes on the stage is, what do you want? And they said, rabbi, which means teacher. They didn't even answer. They said, where are you staying? Nice move, disciples, right? If you don't know the answer, answer a question with a question. Where are you going? Where do you want me to go? What are you doing? What might I not be doing, right? You just answer a question, you're kind of stalling. And so they said, 
where are you staying? And he said, well, come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. They spent time with Jesus. I think it's a valid question that before we start this journey of living with Jesus, that we have to ask ourselves, what do you want? And I think that question is in two forms. What do you want from God? And what are you willing to do for God? And I think that sometimes we don't count the cost before we follow Jesus. Two questions I'd love for you to ponder this week. What do you want from God? Do you want the American life? Do you want the this pleasure and that pleasure and that blessing and this blessing? That says something about you. And maybe it's maybe it's biblical, maybe it's right, maybe you're getting into a relationship for the wrong reasons. You see, a right relationship for the wrong reasons is a bad relationship. What do you want from God? But here's the thing that he's saying, what do you want is also, what do you want to do for God? Because he will require some things. And are you willing? I think those are two good questions and probably things that they pondered as for a whole afternoon, they were able to talk face to face with the son of God, which is an amazing thing. Again, history's changed. For thousands of years, no one's been able to be face-to-face with God. No one's been able to do it. And now, men and women can sit down and have face-to-face conversations and hear about the heart of God. History has changed. We pick up in verse 40, that after this, it says that Andrew, who's Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So Andrew's one of the guys that that spent time with Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and to tell him, we have found the Messiah. Which gives us a little bit of indication as far as when we truly have an encounter with God, we can't help but tell other people. And when we lack just sharing other people our experience with God, usually what that means is we haven't had an experience with God because we have nothing to share. When we try to equip people to go tell people about Jesus, it's, it's ineffective if you truly haven't had an experience with Jesus. My goal is that you truly experience Jesus in a profound way. The forgiveness of sins, uh, his spirit being poured into you, miraculous things happening within you, you seeing God just continue to move in profound ways that it truly is this experiential thing because here's the thing, then you can't help. I'm gonna have to tell you to settle down telling people about Jesus. I'm gonna have to tell you to back off. It's too much. Why? Because... Well, I mean, come on. If we eat at a good restaurant, what do we do? We go berserk, right? We go on social media. Oh, my God, this changed my life. You got to eat the spaghetti, you know, like this. And we're telling our friends, right, you know, our friends like, I need to share something. I'm kind of struggling in my life. Well, you just need to at this restaurant. This restaurant will change your life, right? We get stoked about food. And then about Jesus, it's like, mm, yeah, you don't want to hear. Eh, it probably won't change your life that much. Well, he's okay. He's God, you know. I mean, he gives you eternal life. If you want to live forever, I guess, it's, you know, maybe we could talk, right? But what does that say? Well, what that says is maybe we haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And so why would I equip you to preach about something that you don't care about? I love hanging out with people that don't know Jesus, that are disconnected from church. I love it. Why? Because I know something and I have someone that they don't that I think will change their life. Doesn't mean that as soon as I meet them, that we're watching the football game and everything's about Jesus like, you know, 
well, you know, Jesus is kind of like the quarterback in that game. Let's talk about Jesus. You know, you don't do that with like, oh, dude, I just want to eat chips and, you know, you know, drinking a beer. You know, the first miracle is Jesus changing water to wine, you know. <laughs> Cheers to Jesus, you know. You can drink and follow God. Well, you know, that's, you don't want to be cheesy about it. But I love the opportunity to be light. That when they're cursing and getting angry at the game, they see the wrong. Don't why? Because that game doesn't matter much to me. That all of a sudden when we're talking about life and they're like really talking about their marriage and what's really going on, that they can see where it's like, nah, I'm 22 years in. I love my wife even more. Why don't you look at when the TV's on, why don't you gawk when they have the girls in the bikinis? Don't need to. Doesn't honor the Lord. Doesn't honor her. Why would I demean her? Doesn't do anything for my heart. And it opens it. And why am I stoked about that? I want to point him to Jesus, not to me. Where does that come from? I've had a personal experience. Jesus has changed my life, changed my career, changed my mindset, changed the way I raise kids, changed the way I view money, changed everything, and I'm going to live forever. So it doesn't matter how many blueberries I eat, how much bark I eat, how much you know gluten-free so I can live three years longer. I can eat all that stuff and still live forever. doesn't matter. I can, because Jesus, I know, I know, I know too much, right? So Andrew was stoked because he had an experience with Jesus. So what do you do when you have an experience with Jesus? You can't help but tell others. And he told his brother, Simon. He says, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Isn't that interesting? The first thing Jesus does when he interacts is he asks a question. What do you want from me and what are you going to do for me? But the second thing he does when he interacts, if you notice, is he changes the name of someone. How dare he? I wonder if, I wonder if Peter's like, uh, 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 well, no, my, my name, it's actually Simon. We're going to call you Peter. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, and what's weird about that, it's like, is that the biggest agenda as like the savior of the world? Like, I, I mean, it's got to be like, out of all the things we're going to do here, you're going to change my name? Like, these are just some weird interactions, dude. Like, we have bigger things to talk about than my name change. Now, here's the significance of it. A name back then was a big deal, just so you know. People named their kids based off what they wanted for them in life or what they thought about them. I mean, literally, when you read the Old Testament, people would, if, if they're grieving during that time, they would call their kids sadness. They would literally like, your name is sadness. And so the whole life, the kid's like, my name is sadness. Why? My mom was depressed when she had me. <laughs> like they literally named it based off of like how they felt about you. So a name has a significant, it was your identity. Your name was our identity. And here's what Jesus does is when Jesus interacts with you, he doesn't just ask you a question, but he also makes a statement of, I'm here to change your identity. I'm here to change the core of who you are, who you think, that name, that identity. I am an American. I am Italian. I am whatever it is. I come from a background like my lineage on my dad's side was we're into bikes and beer. That was our identity where we get the tattoos and those tattoos have significance because you looked and I know what you're about. It's an identity thing. A name back then, that was a tattoo. And as soon as you said your name, you knew what class you were, how rich you were, what you were about. Did your name include anything about God in it? And so what Jesus says is your name's Simon. Now, what's funny is the Greek name Simon, it has no significance. It, it, it means either one of two things, either to listen 
which if you read about Peter throughout the scriptures, it's pretty funny because he doesn't listen very well. So I don't know why his parents named him that, but it also means to be flat-nosed. So I think Peter was an upgrade from Simon because Peter means the rock. And Jesus would say later on, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter, he changed his name saying, right now you're a fisherman. Right now you're flat-nosed. Right now, right now, honestly, your name is insignificant. And what Jesus says is, you are insignificant, and I'm going to give you significance. I'm going to give you a purpose. You're going to be a rock now. And here's what's interesting. Was Peter a rock when he got that name right there? Was he already a rock? No. He was a scaredy cat. And he would hang out for three years with Jesus, and he still wasn't a rock because when Jesus went to the cross, what did Peter do? Denied him. Once? Uh Uh-uh. Because I'm a rock, I'm going to deny you three times. That's what a rock does, right? No. And here's the thing. Jesus will give you an identity that though you might not feel like you live up to, he wants you to live for. He's giving you new identity. And this is the beauty of the scriptures of the identity for all of us is we're missionaries, we're ambassadors, we're servants. All these labels are renaming you. You're a Christian before you're an American. No, we're seeing this in politics right now. I see Christians more passionate about who's in office rather than who's in their heart. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't have an opinion. But I can tell what your identity is by what you get. But two things, by what you're most stoked about and what you're saddest about. That tells me your identity. Whatever you're most stoked about and whatever you're saddest about. So if your identity is in money, I can tell because you're most stoked about the stock market or you're saddest when you don't have money in your bank account. That's your identity. If it's relationships, you're most stoked. If you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, and if you don't, you're saddest. That's your identity. And he wants to change our identity, and he does. So the name change, just so you know, what John is showing is that Jesus comes and he asks us questions to help us to understand our motives and our intentions as far as even following God. And then on top of that, that God comes in to change our identity and to truly change our life. God does not want to make a better you. He wants to completely change you. I just want to be clear about that. He's not looking to tweak you like, oh, you're pretty good overall. I just need to make a few. We're disasters. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a disaster. Go ahead and turn to the next and say, look at somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think you guys would do it. You guys did it very quickly, though. Very quick. In fact, some of the kids turned their parents very quickly. Brian said, Brian said, I don't want to, but mom, you're a disaster. That was awkward. Okay, we're going to move forward. That was an awkward moment in the service. This is why it's important, you guys. Listen is God doesn't want to better you. He wants to completely change you. And here's the problem with our sin nature and our rebellion is we resist it. I don't want God to change the way I view sex, money, the way I view my time. I don't want him to change me as far as when people wrong me. I want to get back at least. I want to make them hurt a little bit. And that's why I'm a pretty good person, Brian. I don't want to kill them. I just want to make them squirm a little bit, right? And when God wants to completely change that, saying no, when someone hurts you, you serve them and love them and pray for them. What the stink? You crazy? Uh-huh. Because I'm going to completely change you, not just tweak you. Verse 43. Jesus is still recruiting these disciples, his leadership team. So now he's got three guys. And it says the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. So they're probably all related, just so you know or their good friends, high likelihood. 
So, and here's the other thing too is, um, well, I'll keep reading. He says that Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? <laughs> and Nathanael asked, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, check this out, Jesus sees him and he says, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He says, how do you know me? Nathanael asked, and Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open up and the angels of God descending or ascending and descending on the son of man. The third interaction we see as Jesus is now building these disciples, recruiting from John. These disciples are coming to him, drawing people to him. He asks a question for people to peer into their motives. He renames them and gives them a new identity. And then he speaks his authority into them. As far as this, what Jesus wanted every one of the disciples to know is, you don't choose me, I've chosen you. And that's powerful. It's powerful to know that God actually wants you and is recruiting you. Because all of us want that. Doesn't it feel good to be recruited? Right? For those of us right now, this is sparking a, a huge memory. For some of us, we might be welling up with tears. You might look around and say, why is that person crying? Because for some of us, we were not gifted in the game of Foursquare or wall ball as a kid. And so when there's recruiting going on, I don't know if you were like me, but that kid that Okay, we're going to choose teams. That's When you hear those words, I still cringe. Like I still kind of like, you know, because it, it triggered us because when that happened as a kid, right, they would pick the two biggest kids that hit puberty before all of us, right? So they're the bigger ones. Oh, I'll be the leader. I'll be the leader. And you had to sit there against the wall as they chose every single person, right, around you. And you're just like, oh, this is the worst moment of my life. Why? Because it's the worst when you feel like someone doesn't want you. And some of us, the reason we're not close to God is we feel like we want God, but he does not want us. What Jesus says is, listen, I choose you before you choose me. And some of us right now are like, how do I know God's choosing me? Because you're here. The fact that you're hearing the gospel, you're hearing about Jesus, he's introducing himself to you. He wants you to know you did not choose to come to church. I chose to bring you to church. How cool when God recruits you, your first round. You're not the end of the line. And what Jesus wants to know is, listen, as you follow me, you need to know that it's I choose you, you before you even choose me. I recruit you. Today, what I want to end with is this. I want us to think about this is, is Jesus is doing something very purposeful in John 1, and we're going to see it as we continue in John chapter 2. He's establishing himself as the Messiah, and we're going to see the miracle starting in chapter 2. But right now, he's establishing himself with his disciples. And what he's doing is this. He's wanting to make sure that people understand is I've come to recruit followers, not fans. Jesus has come to recruit followers of him, not fans for him. And there's a big difference between being a follower of Jesus and a fan of Jesus. And that's why he asked these questions. What do you want from me? 
Why are you doing this? Because the sacrifice will be great if you want to be a Christian. There'll be persecution. There'll be difficulty. It'll be hard. But what he promises, I will be with you through whatever you go, and it will be worth it whatever you go through for me. But why are you doing this? And if we can't answer that question, we're going to have a hard time being a follower, and we'll stay in the stands and we'll be a fan of Jesus. Because it's easier. It's easier to be a fan, right? It's easier to watch a game than to play the game. I don't know if any of you played football, but that's painful. I know those guys make it look easy, but I don't know if you've ever seen a retired football player walk. Anybody seen a retired football player walk? They, they look like they've aged about 100 years after two years of retirement, right? They walk out like this, and they got, they're back, and they can't, they're, they're messed up. Why? It's a hard game. Would they do it again? Worth it. Fans, drinking beer, eating hot dogs. Yeah, sitting in the sun, right? Got their, you know, got the, they, they're not injured at all. There's no sacrifice to be a fan. But there's also no reward from being a fan rather than being a follower. Three things I want to wrap up today with to get you thinking about as we wrap up John chapter 1, I believe what John wants us to know as we get up close and personal with Jesus. The first thing is this, when it comes to being a follower, not a fan, is followers participate in the game and fans just cheer for the game. Followers participate in the game, fans just cheer. Jesus did not come to this earth for applause. He did not come to this earth just to give us the chills and to make us be in awe of him. He has no desire for that. He came to recruit people to play the game to play for him, and to put his name on the back of their jersey. Rip your name off. His name goes to the back. He gets the glory. Whenever you score, whenever you do ministry, whenever you love, whenever you forgive, I point to Jesus. I don't point to me. I point to Jesus. I play the game now for him. So he's come to recruit you to play in the game, to participate with him, and to play for him. Not for applause, not for, you know, yeah, I just, I think God is awesome. He doesn't want you to think he's just awesome. He wants you to participate with him. So the first thing is that followers participate in the game. Fans just cheer for the game. One of the questions I want to ask you is where are you at in the game? Getting involved. And I know some of you are like, okay, oh, getting involved. Here comes the sign up for a ministry team. Get involved. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, good call. You're prophetic. You're prophetic. Way to go. You thought ahead of the game, right? But here's the thing. How, if you can't participate in church, how are you going to participate in the world? If this is too hard, what about the assignments God has for you outside the church? This is just practice. This is just practice. Signing up for a ministry team, learning to serve, showing up when you don't feel like it. Welcome to life. Because God's going to ask you to do things outside the church when you don't feel like it. This is practice. This gets you toughened up, ready for game day, which game day isn't Sunday. Game day is Monday through Saturday. And I just want you to know, I watch some of us and you're fans of Jesus and you think it's fun. And I just want you to know he's got a whole nother level for you, but you got to be a follower. Get in the game here. Get in the game there. Jesus is looking to recruit for the game and he loves you and he's recruiting you. Don't say no to him because he's got good plans for you. The second thing is this. Followers interact intimately. Fans observe casually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unwrap that. Followers interact intimately. Fans observe casually. On the football field, do those football players have access to the coach more than we do as, as fans? They talk every day, right? They talk about everything, injuries, what's going on, you know, strategy, all that kind of stuff. 
But what's interesting is fans, have you ever noticed football fans where they think like they know the coach and the players? Oh, I can't believe he did that. You know, I, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. Well, I remember three years ago he did that and he said that and I can't believe that. And Like, first of all, the coach even cares what you think. Have any of us uh, as a fan ever gotten a check from the team for cheering for them? Has anyone received like, hey, thanks so much. We appreciate your business. No, they require more money from you just to watch them with no reward at all. See, many of us do that with God. We observe God so we think we know him. But you don't know anyone until you intimately interact. That's what's dangerous about the internet when we observe like things about people that we don't know from the internet and you know they're this way and they're that way and they're, you don't know them. You haven't had a, a conversation. You haven't sat down. And it's the same thing with God. Many of us have these presuppositions about God or well, this is what he would do. This is what he would say and you don't know because you casually observe him but you haven't intimately interacted with him. I just want to encourage you with this. You don't know God until you intimately interact. Talk to him. Get into his word. Know his heart. Actually follow through and trust him on something so you can see his miracle. Many of us are two days short of a miracle. What do I mean by that? You've been praying, but then you're going to give up. And the miracle's days away, but you, you give up. You don't truly get to see God come through in that miraculous way financially or relationally or emotionally or even spiritually. Followers interact intimately. Fans observe casually. Fans can read the Bible every few months and feel like they're getting spiritually fed. It's, it's a casual observation. They wait for the preacher to preach on the Word of God so they can just be, someone tell me about it, rather than me having to open it up or really click on it and really learn to struggle with it. But Brian, I don't understand everything. Yeah, well, either do I, you guys. I know I act like I do here, but I don't. It's part of my job. I have to act a little, right? I don't. It doesn't keep me from, but here's the thing. Does that keep us from anything in life? None of us get married as far as like, I need to know you 110%. None of us do. It's impossible to. You, I know you well enough to say, let's jump in the deep end. And then I get to know you along the way as a step of faith. It's the same thing with God. Some of you are waiting to know him 100%, and then you're going to give him 100%. It doesn't work that way. You'll never give your life to God. Do you know enough? Has he shown you enough to say, I got the 5%. I'm going to trust you with the 95%. But I want to intimately interact with you, not just observably, uh, or casually observe you. And the last one is this. Followers are bought in where fans just get hyped up. Followers are bought in where fans just get hyped up. This is why Jesus asks us the question, what are you doing this for? Is it just about what you get from him with nothing to give? That'll be an issue. What do you want from him? Well, I just want him to give me a happy life. Well, the problem is you haven't read the Bible. He doesn't promise a happy life. What he does promise is a powerful, peaceful, long life. That's what he promises you. Those are, those are different things. Followers are bought in to the message, to the messenger, and to the purpose, where fans just get hyped up, but they're not completely bought in. They're not sold out. And this is what Jesus is doing. Just so you know, in chapter 1, we learn about who God is, but now we're looking about how God lives. And, and here's the crazy thing. If anyone would not need to be in relationship and to have a team around him, it would be Jesus. If there's anyone that can go solo through this life, it would be Jesus. Notice even the Son of God, the first thing he does is he recruits his best friends. It's probably something for us. 
You're not made to go through this life solo. And if Jesus didn't, I guarantee you shouldn't. Whether it's connection groups and you recruit and get in, whether it's making sure you get coffee consistently with that Christian, whatever it is, get that recruitment around you because life is a team game, not a solo game. You must rely on others. Why? This is where Jesus is going to say later on, the reason we need team is because we have an adversary. This game we play is life and death. And here's the teams. Satan's on the other side. And you better not be left out by yourself away from the team. Because he will single you out and he will prey on you. So even Jesus recruited that team. But he recruited it for a purpose. And my question is this. What does this mean for you today? Are you a follower? Or are you a fan? And this week what I'd like you to do is wrestle with those questions. What are you here for? What do you hear? What do you want from Jesus? What are you willing to do for Jesus? The second thing I'd like us to ponder is do you understand that you're recruited by him and how much he loves you? You're not second class, third class. He's stoked to have you on the team. And what does that do for you this week? And then the third thing is, are you bought in? Are you bought into the game? Or are you just all about being hyped up for him? This sets the stage for the rest of John, as far as the life that Jesus lives and the life that he wants us to live. We're going to take time now. The worship team is going to come back up, and I just want us to kind of contemplate and for communion today. Communion is one of those things that during worship, at any time during worship, you can go and take communion. But I'd like us to do it kind of as a unifying thing as far as just what it means to be a part of the team that we identify, that we're in the game and and here's what I want to encourage you. If you're like, Brian, I don't know if I'm in the game. I don't know if I want to be recruited. I don't know if I want to jump in. Then communion is probably not the right thing for you. Communion is one of those things that's the rallying cry of the team saying, we're for you, we're with you, and we're about you. And the life that you lived as you died to yourself is the life that we live as we die to ourselves. Again, his name goes on the back of our jersey, not our name. It's about his glory. And this is what Jesus is establishing as he recruits these disciples. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.